0: Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. We are in uh, week three of this series called Heroes. Um, I love the hero movies. Are y'all down with it or what? I mean, like, I'm all about some Captain America, some Thor with that new ax. I mean, he's unstoppable now. Man, I love all those movies. DC is disappointing me right now. DC, I'm very upset you will be getting a strongly worded email. Superman just quit for crying out loud. It's embarrassing. So, but I love the hero world. Now, as a pastor, I look into the Bible and I see that there's this unique dynamic going on because when I look at the Bible, I see heroes everywhere, but, everybody say, but, There was no word for hero in the Hebrew language. They never thought of themselves as heroes. They never looked at other people as heroes the way maybe you and I would, because they just saw that all of humanity had, you know, a flaw to it, that even when they looked at all the great patriarchs and all the great men and women of scripture, they were incredibly flawed people. They were not perfect heroes. And so today we'll kind of just kind of keep that journey going of looking at these imperfect people who, although they were imperfect, they still... Stepped into the moment that God gave them, because here is what we know about heroes: um, heroes are mostly ordinary people that don't know they're being heroes when they're being heroes. You don't know that you are a hero until after the fact is maybe over. And these are the same way uh, that the, the stories of the Bible unfold. These people didn't know they were being heroes. They they put their pants on one leg at a time, and, and they you know they had ordinary, boring days. Just like you, you ever look at your life and think, "Man, there is a lot of boring days." Every once in a while, I have an exciting day. There's a lot of boring days. They had boring days because that's just the way that a hero. Heroes not are they're not heroes every day. Okay, maybe Captain America is, but I don't think so because it took a while for him to grow out that beard, and I don't think he did anything cool during that whole time period. But you you see the point. Um, On week one, we looked at Caleb, who was an inspirational hero. He was the guy that wanted to take on hell with a water gun, who wanted to stand up and give the big speech and lead the charge. And it was incredibly inspiring. And that was really, really cool. On week two, we looked at Daniel, who was a really strong hero in the sense that he was uncompromising in his convictions. Today's hero is not like either of those two. Uh, Today's hero, she is not very inspiring actually she needs to be inspired by somebody else and she's she's kind of compromising with with some areas of her life she's compromising some of her moral convictions but everybody say but but she is the hero of the story and it's an incredible story and so so today i'm going to take an entire book of the bible and kind of summarize it down but it is an incredible story so if you like to go read your bible go find in the old testament a book called Esther and read the whole story for yourself because it is fantastic. But let me read for you just a snippet and then I'm going to tell you most of the story. Esther chapter 2, verse 5 says this It says, Now there was a Jew who lived in the palace complex in Susa. His name was Mordecai of Benjamite. His ancestors had been taken from Jerusalem with the exiles and then carried off with King Jehoiakim of Judah by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Into exile. Mordecai had reared his cousin Hadassah, otherwise known as Esther, since she had no father or mother. The girl had a good figure. And a beautiful face. It was a one-two punch there. Cute face and a rockin' body. I did not say that. That is what the scripture speaks of. It says that for a reason. We will tell you that in a moment after her parents died Mordecai had adopted her and so this is just this is a quick snippet so I can just kind of give you a little bit of what's going on. I Everybody say Mordecai, I everybody say Esther, is this this really really cool story that's going on there and they happen to make mention of the fact that she is hot and so um, it's important because of the overall story of what's going on because again she's a Jewish girl living in a foreign land. They mentioned that their their ancestors had been taken In exile, like literally, Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem, ransacked the city, dominated the people, and took them out to Babylon. Well, eventually, Nebuchadnezzar's basically grandson, he ends up being a really stupid, arrogant person. He ends up losing the kingdom. The Persians come in and dominate them. So you have a changing of the guard. The world powers have changed. It went from being the Babylonians to now the Medo-Persian Empire, if you will. And so this new empire... As a matter of fact, if you ever saw uh, the movie 300, which is kind of a weird movie, and Xerxes... This The guy that Esther a- ends up being married to is what most historians believe is either the son or the grandson of that weird guy. And so, um, anyway, there's just a, so just so you know, this is a, a real historical setting. Now, early on, a lot of the Jews had already returned home, but these Jews did not. Most of the Jews went home, some Jews stayed. Mordecai and Esther stayed in this foreign land in exile so that's part of what makes esther this unlikely hero right she's unlikely because she's a jew living in a foreign land she's an unlikely hero because well she's a woman in a male dominated world she's an unlikely hero because she's again not very inspirational and she's not the most uncompromising hold to her conviction steadfast woman she's she's got a little bit of crazy she is because you know when you're hot and you know it Sometimes you're crazy. So there's this king. Everybody say King Xerxes. That's the king. Right? So the, the, the whole story begins with King Xerxes throwing a banquet for 180 days. Now, again, if you know the story of these empires, you know that the, the Persians were about to battle the Greeks... And so he was trying to raise money. So he throws an elaborate party to show off the strength and wealth of the Persian Empire, but also to start to raise money because they're going to go war against the Greeks and Alexander the Great. So again, this is all in a historical setting. This is really stuff that's going on. Now, King Xerxes has a party for 180 days, which is, oh, that's a bit much. Okay, calm down. And and in his uh, 180-day party, at some point, he has too much to drink. So what he does, he's sitting around with his buddies, and the Bible says that he gets drunk, and they all have this idea, and he starts talking about how hot his wife is. And her name was Queen Vashti. So we're not to Esther yet. We're about to show you why Esther comes into the story. And so he's like, dude, my wife is so hot. And so, you know what? We'll call for her, and I'll have her come out and just kind of show off for you guys. And how many of you know women love it when you make them parade around in front of your drunken buddies? So she's so thrilled by the idea that she basically says, uh, no thanks, I'm not coming. Now the funny part is, is, is that was an incredible insult for a woman to not come when the king called for her. And, and so him and all of his drunk buddies are like, what the heck? And the, and the buddies, this is what the buddies say, it's so brilliant, they're like, hey dude, 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 dude. If your wife is going to disregard you and everybody's going to know about it, our wives are going to start disregarding us. And we can't have that. So you know what? You need to throw down on her and make sure you let her know so all these women in the kingdom don't go crazy. And so they fire Queen Vashti. She's fired. She is no longer the queen, right? So what they do is, now they introduce this this other character, uh, Mordecai. We mentioned him earlier. He's the cousin of Esther. And he's this guy that lives in the capital city. There's some interesting stuff that goes on with him. There's a moment where he actually overhears a plot that two men have to assassinate the king. And he stops it. And then they write it all down in the chronicles of the blah, 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 blah. It's kind of interesting. But then next we know about his, his cousin, which is really kind of like he raised this girl as her own, is Esther. Now, here's what's going on with Esther. Esther's just this really pretty Jewish girl, right? So because King Xerxes has fired Queen Vashti, he does something that is completely unheard of. You will be appalled at this idea. You will think, how archaic are these people? You know what he did? He held a beauty pageant. Where he literally gathered as many of the hot virgin women in the land as he could. And then made them come and present themselves. And then you know what he did? This is crazy. You'd never believe this. He gave each one of them a rose as they passed into the next level of the contest. <laughs> we would never do that in our age. How sexist. How I just, I'm just kidding about the rose thing. But, but he did. He has, he has. Y'all know what I'm talking about guilty pleasure out there yeah it's an uncomfortable laughter I don't watch that show people um but he does he holds a giant beauty contest and then what happens is, is that Esther finds favor with the guy kind of behind the scenes running the beauty pageant and all this and then when she comes before the king he's just like oh oh my dang she's hotter than Bashti you know and so this is the story that's going on. Now there's one more character that enters into the story next. And his name is Haman. Everybody say Haman. Haman's the bad guy of this story, right? Well, King Xerxes is kind of a jerk. and, and but, but Haman... Haman is the real villain of the story because when, when he sees Mordecai, basically Mordecai doesn't give him any props. Haman's like the number two guy in command and, and Mordecai doesn't really respect him. And so he gets so mad at Mordecai that he's like, I'm going to have this guy killed. And he already hates Jews. If you know, it, it says Haman was an Agagite thing. Basically, he was from an old Canaanite lineage. that, So they hated the Jews. So you know what he does? He's like, you know what? I'm second in command. Mordecai's a punk. I don't even like Jewish people. I'm going to talk the king into uh, basically decreeing this thing that says we can kill all the Jews. And that's my plan. I'm going to kill all the Jews. Let's kill them all. In the whole kingdom, in the whole land, let's kill every Jew. This is pre-Hitler, before Hitler was thought of, right? This is the guy trying to annihilate the Jewish population. So now Mordecai finds out. About this plot that Haman has. And here is where you find the hero. Beginning to step into the moment. Because again heroes aren't heroes every day. They're not heroes all the time. They are certainly not perfect people. Many times they are flawed people. Sometimes they are not inspiring. Sometimes they need to be inspired. And so for you to step into your moment. We'll just learn from Esther here. Because stepping into your moment. Number one is this. It requires some Everybody do some air quotes. Everybody say, it's some coincidence. There's a little bit of coincidence going on. Because here's what's weird about the book of Esther. If you know anything about your Bible, the book of Esther is the only book of the Bible that never mentions God. Now, that sounds weird. I thought the whole Bible was about God. Not the book of Esther. At least not outright. Because the way that the writer laid out the story of Esther, it is brilliant. The way he wrote it, the way he pieced it together, if I had the nerdy Bible time to really show you how the outline works, it is brilliant. But he purposely does not mention God's name. But what you find is, is you find kind of the hidden hand of God at work in the coincidences, right? So it's just a coincidence that Esther just happened to be His type. It's just a coincidence that she found favor with the guy running the beauty pageant. It was just a coincidence that Mordecai happened to be there on the day that he could overhear the guys plotting to kill the king. Now, what happens later is, is there's a moment where it says that the king couldn't sleep. He just happened to have some insomnia that night. And when he happened to have some insomnia, he said, maybe I'll just somebody get, I'll get somebody to read a book for me. Somebody get a book. So he says they brought out the chronicles of what was going on, and the reader of the chronicles just happened to find the story of where Mordecai saved the king from it. Just, it just is a coincidence. It's crazy. All these coincidences that keep taking place. And so listen, 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 listen. So listen to read Esther chapter 2, verse 17. It says this: it says, Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women. And she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. It just happened to be that she was his type. It just happened to be that she won the contest. It just happened to be that she found favor with the king. And so for you to step into your moment, I'm just gonna let you know that you're gonna have to find some queen. Now, we don't believe in luck, Right? as the world would define luck, we would say that God is always up to something even when you don't know it and even when you can't even see it. God is up to something. Now, here's the next part of it. The next part is really this. For you to step into your moment, it's going to require enough courage. Okay, because here's what takes place. Remember, Mordecai finds out what Haman's up to. Haman's going to annihilate all the Jews. And so this is what Mordecai does. Mordecai comes to Esther and was like, hey, look, I know you're up in the palace, but we need some help or we're all going to die. And this is what he says to Esther. Esther 4 verse 13 says this. He says, Do not think that because you're in the king's house that you alone of all the Jews will somehow escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? This is the famous line from the book of Esther. For who knows that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Anybody familiar with that phrase? Maybe you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And here's the deal. What what he's saying is this. He goes, man, you got to buck up, little buckaroo. We're all going to die. It's going, and you're not going to escape either. We're we're all going to die. You're going to die even if you're sitting up in the palace because here's the deal. Nobody knew she was a Jew. She had hidden that. And so he said, You're going to get outed. You're going to die. We're all going to die. You need to step into the moment and you need enough courage. And here's the deal here's why you need enough courage. It is wrong for you to think that you are ever going to completely rid yourself of fear. There's this false idea in heroism that it, it seems like it, it. They don't feel fear; they're fearless people. And one day I'll be fearless too. And when I'm finally fearless, then I'll step into my moment. And you couldn't be more wrong. She was absolutely afraid. They're having to talk her into this thing because that's what everybody is going to live with fear. Go ahead and embrace it. You're going to be in these moments where you're sweating. Your heart is beating. You feel uncomfortable. You don't think you can do it. You are going to feel afraid. Go ahead and embrace it because here's the deal courage is either ignoring the fear and trusting God, or it's embracing the fear and trusting God. Courage is not the absence of fear, it's just having one more ounce of courage than you do fear. Because how many know, like, has anybody ever been to the top of the high dive when they were a kid? You were afraid, weren't you? Now, every once in a while, there comes along one of you dumb ones that has no sense of fear, okay? And God bless you for that, right? That's why I said there are some people that ignore the fear. They're unaware, they're, they're unoblibable. There's these stories in the Bible where these men had this type. David had that kind of fear, right? David goes to fight the giant, clueless, stupid, doesn't care, fearless. There's this guy, there's this crazy story in the Bible, Benaniah. He goes and it says that he fought. With a lion in a pit on a snowy day. It describes it as though he had nothing else better to do. And was just in a mood. That's who you want on your team, right? I want the guy that likes to wrestle with lions in a pit. And we'll just make it on a snowy day. So there's certain people that are just fearless because they don't think, right? And that's not necessarily bad. Although it could be. There are other people that just embrace the fear like Moses. Moses was absolutely afraid. He walked with God and kept explaining to God his fears, but just kept walking with God. Gideon is the same way. Gideon takes three chapters to explain to God why he picked the wrong person. I don't care what you do. Just keep walking. Yeah, yeah. Just just have because you, you take your fear and say, okay, I'll just go. I'll just take it with me. You're going to live with fear, most of you, for all of your life. I just need you to have a little bit more courage than you have fear. To step into that moment—that's what you need. Is just that little bit of courage. Remember, remember at the top of the high dive, you were afraid. You needed just one little. Out. And here's the deal: you didn't need courage the whole way. You needed the courage to take one step, because once you took the one step, well, there was no coming back. It could have been that you took the one step up the ladder. Remember when you took the first step up the ladder and you got halfway up, and then the line behind you was crazy long, and those kids were so supportive and encouraging, weren't they? They were like, you can do it. No, they were like, hurry up, get off, you know. And so they're screaming at you, but you're like, oh my God, now I'm stuck here and I can't get back down. It, all you needed was the courage to take the first few steps so that you couldn't go back. Sometimes that's all the courage you need. You need just, just enough courage. Third thing you need is this, is you need some great Humility. There does need to be some humility, some reliance on God, some sense of God is bigger than me. God is bigger than the moment, even though I have all my fears, but God has been orchestrating this and and I, I really need God in my life. And so this is what they do because of this great kind of issue taking place. I mean, literally the Jews are going to get annihilated if they don't do something. And it says this in chapter four, it says, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Now, again, God's not mentioned, but this is where you start to see, oh, no, no, no. They knew. God is big and I'm small. God is powerful and I'm weak sometimes. I need God's help. I need the incredible humility. And this is what fasting is. Fasting is the desperate, humble cry for God's help. Because when you're really desperate, you're like, "Man, I I will do anything or not do something for that matter." I mean, no, you you, you ever when you need God desperately, you're like, "Lord, I'll give you anything. I'll give up anything." You start crying, you fasting, you're 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 desperate, and it's this desperate, humble cry that says, "God, I need your help." And if you don't move, and if you don't work, and if you don't operate, and if you don't go, we're host. I, I, we need. We are in desperate need of your help, and that's what humility ultimately says. Many of us are so prideful. That we don't ask for help. Many of us are so prideful, we never acknowledge God. We never acknowledge our need and dependence upon God. And so that that keeps us and prevents us from stepping in the moment. But not Esther, not Mordecai. Lastly is this, is that stepping into the moment requires your initiative. See, there was St. Augustine that said this. St. Augustine said you need to pray as if it depends on God, but then you need to go to work. As if it depends on you, because as much as you're going to depend on God and acknowledge God, at some point God's going to say, "Now you move, now you do something, now you take a step, you go out of your way and make." As a matter of fact, there's this great story in South Carolina. There was a man who took great initiative. It's the funniest story. He went to Waffle House at 2 a.m. and and that night at Waffle House, uh, a bunch of employees had called in sick. There was only one employee, and that employee had fallen asleep in the corner booth. And so the guy literally is looking at the dude in the corner asleep and was like, well, I don't want to wake him up. So he goes behind the counter. His name was Alex Bowen. He had waited for 10 minutes. He goes behind the counter and he knew what he wanted to order. So he decided, I'll go behind the counter and make it myself, a double Texas bacon cheese cheese steak melt with extra pickles. And, and because he felt bad about it, he was like, how are they going to know that I paid? So he took pictures of the whole process and posted those on Instagram. And he's taken like selfies of himself cooking. There's bacon in the background and all this stuff. And then he, and then of course he pays, he pays for the cheesesteak meal because he stepped into this moment of, you know what? If I don't do something, I'm not going to eat, right? He took incredible initiative to say, nobody will cook for me. Bless God. I will cook for myself, And it's just this really, really funny story of him stepping into his moment to save his own cheesesteak. It's not a, it's not a heroic story. He just took initiative and I thought it was clever. I thought it was funny. But, but I, I guess the reason I tell you that story is like, sometimes nobody else is going to do it for you. You need to do it for yourself. Sometimes you're waiting on somebody else to be the hero of your story. It's you. Step into your moment. Step into the moment of your own story, but it require you to do something, you to take a step, you to pick up the phone for you to take initiative. What is it that God needs for you to do? What do you know? He's, he's already impressed it upon your heart and mind. Sometimes you're like, I know I need to go do this. I need to reach out to this person. I need to make that call. I need to try. I need to, I need to apply here. I need to take this. I, I don't know what it is, but you know that you need to take that step and it's on you because here's the thing about initiative. This is what I believe. You can correct me if you think I'm wrong. But I believe that... I'll tell you like my boss told me when I was a teenager. Sometimes I would wait for my boss to tell me what to do. And then when I was done, I would just sit around until he told me something new to do. And finally, he was a construction guy, so you, you can imagine how he said this to me. He said, Todd, I would rather you just go try something and screw it up than to sit there and do nothing at all. Now, he was a little more... Colorful with his language and how he told me that. But fast forward a few years, i become a Christ follower. And I remember sensing these moments where I could step into the moment and do something. And it was as if I heard my boss's words in a much holier tone. (laughs) Say to me, Todd, it's okay. I'm with you. Go for it. Step into the moment. I'd rather you go try something in faith. Go try something with courage. Go try something to build my kingdom and mess it up. Than to sit and do nothing at all. Because here's what I believe. I believe God can always fix your mistakes. You know what God can't fix? Is your laziness. Laziness is an issue of the will. Meaning like, if I just move, he's got something to guide. If I just do something, he's got something to work with. But if I just stand still, he's like, come on, please, please, please. Take a step. Make a, make, make a moment where you take the initiative to go and do something. And so, here, let me tell you how the story advances. So, the way the story goes now is that Esther has to go before the king. Now, here was the weird rule that they had. You could not approach the king unless summoned. So she is, in essence, saying, hey, because this is where the the scripture comes in, if you want to read this with me. uh, Chapter 4, verse 16 says this, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So she says, I've got to go to the king. We're fasting. We're praying. I think God has favored me. And all these coincidences have lined up. But ultimately, I've got to take the initiative to go try something. So I'm going to go to the king. And so she goes to the king. And he's not mad. He welcomes her. And now she's hot and clever. So she basically orchestrates it to where she gets Mordecai and Haman and the king. And she, she does this banquet. And in this banquet, she exposes Haman's plot. She exposes the fact that Mordecai was the guy that saved your life and Haman's trying to kill him. By the way, I'm a Jew, he's trying to kill me and he's trying to kill all my people. And so the king is furious. Now Haman is a jerk and he had prepared these gallows to kill Mordecai. And so the king orders, this is the twist of irony here, that Haman go hang on his own gallows and he's put to death. And then the king issues a new decree saying that the people of God can defend themselves and can fight and can stand. And as a matter of fact, even to this day, there is the Jewish feast called Purim. That they, they celebrate every single year based off of the book of Esther. And how Esther and Mordecai step into this incredible moment and rescue the people from absolute annihilation it's just an incredible fascinating story and so if I could encourage you with these words here's what I think Esther if she were here today here's what Esther would say to you when you don't understand keep trusting I mean you know there's a lot of life that you don't understand there's a lot of life that doesn't make sense you're like God why didn't this come together God why didn't you answer this prayer why didn't you come through what because you got to remember they were in exile they had to have been thinking God if you were with us we wouldn't be here to begin with And yet God was with them all the same. She had to be thinking, God, if you were really with me, I would have never gone and had to go through the beauty pageant and all this. I would if God, if you were really with us, you would have taken care of Haman. And You don't really realize, hey, I don't. There's there's too much. I don't understand. Why did they die? Why did they get sick? Why did I lose? Why did that happen? Why did this? I don't know. But here's what I know from the story of Esther is that God is up to something, even If I don't see it, and even if I don't feel it, God is always at work. So in light of that, number two is this, always be on the lookout for the hidden hand of God. Have you ever noticed that in the moment you can't see God's hand at work? And then wait until you're down the road two, three, five years, and you look back in the past, and all of a sudden you see this guidance. You see this movement. You see this, oh, 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 oh. That's why that didn't work out. God was protecting me from something I couldn't even see. Oh, that's why God didn't answer that prayer. is because God is smarter than me and knew better. Oh, that's why God had... And Esther's sitting there saying, No, no, that's why God had favored me. And that's why God had put me in this position. It's because he could foresee and he knew that he was going to use me one day to step into the moment to do something great to save the people of God. And so lastly is this. Whenever God opens a door, you walk through that thing. You're praying, you're fasting, you're looking for the hidden hand of God, you're trusting, and then all of a sudden God prevents or, 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 or provides this door. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you. There's this door of opportunity. There's this moment that you have to step into. And what I want you to do is this, is I want you to take all your fears and just start walking. Take all your fears and just get a little more courage, a little more trust, and then just step into your moment. I read a really cool story, and I'll close with this. There were these two men who worked for the Port Authority. Their names were Will and Jim. And, and this was basically taking place. We just you know, celebrated the anniversary of 9-11, September 11th. And Will and Jim were Port Authority employees who, when the first tower was struck, they raced to the scene and they were actually going into the building to help people. Well, if you know, the second tower falls. They were trapped on the ground floor of the South Tower when it fell. So they had gone in to help people and then found themselves underneath piles of rubble and brick and all this. Just... What's interesting is, is that there was another man who was 120 miles away. His name was David, David Carnes. And he was watching on a television. He was a 23-year marine vet. He had turned into a businessman. And so he went to his boss when they had seen it on the TV screen. And he had told his boss, I've got to go. He went home and he took off his suit and put on his marine fatigues and drove 120 miles to ground zero. Because of his marine fatigues, they let him in to start helping. He eventually found another marine who had done the same thing and they start walking, trying to find people in the wreckage and in the rubble. After an hour of searching, they hear this tapping on a pipe. And they had found Will and Jim under the rubble and begin to dig these men out. There were only 20 people. That were brought out of the rubble, Will and Jim were number 18 and 19. Because he stepped out of his suit and he put on his fatigues and he found his moment. Now, you and I, we might not have that moment, but you have a moment. And you never know when it's gonna come. You don't know how big or how small it will be, but God's gonna provide you an opportunity. And in that moment, you might have excuses. You might have fear. You might not be sure. The circumstances might not be perfect, but you feel called. You feel impressed. You feel like God's moving your heart and you're like, no, no, this is my moment and I have to step into it. And here's what I want you to pray when that happens. God, help me to make the most of the moments that you give me. Help me to never underestimate the small moments or shrink from the big moments. Help me to put my life in your hands and walk through that open door with confidence. Let's pray this morning. What what I want you to do right now is just take 30 seconds and ask yourself, man, is there something that I feel like God has been wanting me to do and I've been sitting on it? Is there something that God's been calling me to? Maybe there's like a cool ministry opportunity. Maybe there's a person that I need to help. Maybe there's someone I need to reach out to. Maybe it's something I need to start doing for my family. I I don't know. God, would you please speak to these people, God? Would you please show them their moment, their open door, their opportunity? God, will you help us to become like Esther? <laughs> Unlikely, in the wrong place, at the wrong time, the wrong gender. I mean, just nothing was, nothing was great. But God, you keep orchestrating. You keep doing what you do. You keep aligning things so that at the right time we can step into the moment. God, help us to be bold. Help us to take initiative. Help us to trust and depend on you completely, God, knowing that it is only by your grace can this happen anyway? God, we just pray your help, your strength, God, help us to walk out of this place and go be the hero for somebody. Lord, that is our prayer today in Jesus name. And we all said, amen. Amen. Yeah. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the new beginnings podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.